Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and all wicked deception to those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Please. Today we're looking at the book of Thessalonians and back in Acts 17, we see the establishment of the church in Thessalonica. Paul and Silas were on a missionary journey and when they arrived in that town, they did as their usual custom was. They went to the synagogues and they began to uh, teach on subsequent Sabbaths. And as they were teaching there, they explained the way of Jesus, that he came uh, to die for the sins of mankind. And some of the people that were listening in the synagogue there put their trust in him. And as they began to come week after week, the crowds began to grow. And the religious leaders got jealous of them. And so they began to stir up the crowds. They took one of the new followers, Jason, uh, who became the pastor of that area. Uh, after that, they made him post bond. Uh, they threw Paul and Silas out of town. And yet, in the midst of the persecution, the church thrived, began to grow strong. And so these religious leaders decided to take a different tactic instead of direct persecution they began to write letters in the name of Paul and send them to the church. And so they were receiving these letters. They thought they were from Paul. And the letters had false doctrines and false teachings in them. And so this book of 2 Thessalonians is in direct response to that. Uh, the church there believed that the second coming had happened already because of these letters. These letters supposedly from Paul. And so Paul is writing them saying, no, the, the second coming has not happened, and here are the reasons why. And by the way, this is a 
really good reason to study the Bible so that you can tell when deceptive things come across your path. Things that say the second coming has already taken place or this is what's happening in the end times. And so we're going to be looking here at the end times as we continue talking about the afterlife and the things to come. In 1 John, we find a section where Paul's contemporary, John the Apostle, deals with the signs of the times. John tells his reader in 1 John 2.18, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. Notice here that John differentiates between two entities, the entity of Antichrists and the Antichrist. And so there is one individual who I would call Antichrist Big A, but there are many smaller antichrists that pave the way, antichrist small a. And this morning we're going to be looking at mainly the antichrist, big A. Many modern day Christians don't like to talk about the end of the world. <laughs> they think, well, whatever happens is going to happen and I don't want to get all bogged down in the dates and the times and who's this person and what does this sign mean. The issue though is that a lot of prophecy deals with the end times. There are huge sections in the scriptures, Old Testament and New, that point to the end times. And so because God saw fit to include those things in his word, those are things that we need to look at and that will help us and prepare us for the things that are coming. Perhaps not in our lifetime, maybe it's in our grandchildren's lifetime or down in the generations, but these things need to continue to be taught and passed down from generation to generation. Some people believe that this is too divisive. And if you'll notice when we look at our creeds, for instance in the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, you don't really see a whole lot about the end times in there. We see the fact that Jesus is coming back, and we see that he will return, and that is definitely in the, the creeds, but we don't see specific things in the creeds like this is who the Antichrist is, or you have to be premillennial rapture, or these different kinds of things. And it's important to understand that this is what's called adiaphora. These are side issues that are not required in order to be orthodox or to be saved. Because some churches have divided over this issue, over the issue of who's the Antichrist. Is the rapture before the tribulation? Okay? And I don't want that to happen for us. I want you to know that you can disagree with me this morning on some of the specifics that I'm going to talk about, and we can still be brothers and sisters. We can still be part of the same congregation. But my job as a pastor, just as Paul's job was, is to warn you in order that you might be ready for the things that are coming. Now this morning we're going to be looking at some of these end time prophecies, and specifically we're going to be looking at the Antichrist as related to the tribulation and the rapture. Now if you're not familiar with some of these end times terms, the tribulation is a period of time that the Bible talks about that is coming upon the world. Okay? And there is a man who's going to be revealed called the Antichrist that is going to have rule and reign 
over the world at that time. Many people who believe in what is called pre-tribulation rapture believe that the church is taken out before the Antichrist is revealed and before the tribulation of that time happens. I happen to have a hard time seeing that in the scriptures being proved. In fact, I believe not quite the opposite, but something different than that. And my point for you this morning as I begin to get into some of the uh, nuances of this is I'm okay with you being pre-trib rapture. In fact, I would like to be pre-trib rapture, okay? I'd love it if the church and all the Christians were taken out of the world and missed the tribulation period. That'd be awesome, right? But the problem is, is if I'm right and the pre-tribulation rapturists are wrong, if the tribulation happens and they're not taken, then they're looking around going, wait a second, I thought we were going to be raptured out of here. What's going on? And they will begin to doubt the scriptures. Just as much as the people in Thessalonica doubted and began to do weird things because they thought the second coming had already taken place. In fact, if you read later on in that chapter, uh, or the, the, in 2 Thessalonians there, they quit working. <laughs> Paul said, I hear some of you are idle. And many believe that the reason they were idle was because they believed that the second coming had already taken place and they'd missed it. So why continue working? Why keep being encouraged? And so let's look through some of these things that we see here in 2 Thessalonians. First, we see that the Antichrist will be revealed before Jesus returns. The church here thought that they had missed his return, that they had left, been left behind, but Paul reassures him that there are major events that must take place before Jesus returns. And he's naming two signs here. We see the first one in verse 3, which is called the great falling away. It's not really described here, and we're going to turn back uh, or forward into 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where it talks about this great apostasy or this great falling away that needs to take place before Jesus' return. I'm going to read it, and I'm not going to touch on every single one of these things in this list, but I want to show that things are darker now than they were in Paul's time. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. A couple of things to note here. That people will be lovers of themselves before the end times come, before the Lord returns, during this great apostasy. Our generation has been named the me generation. And the reason is because we're very self-focused. Everything's about I, iPad, iPod, I this, I that. We are a very self-absorbed generation. You see it in the advertising all over the place. Lovers of money. In 2008, I was doing real estate at the time. And back in Minnesota, um, 
you could just feel that there was a bubble that was going to happen. And the reason, the main problem at the time was because there were second mortgages that were being given out for almost any reason. Used to be back in the day, when you wanted a second mortgage, you had to have a really strong reason to get one, like major improvements on the house that would increase your property's value. But when I was in the industry, there were people that were writing on the forms, reason for second mortgage, vacation, <laughs> pay off credit cards, buy a car. All these things were usually rejected before, but there was such a boom that was happening, and the mortgage lenders were so greedy because they were making tons of money on these refinances that they just kept cranking them out. And then the bubble burst, and we see the effects of it today. In 2008, many people lost their entire retirements, had to go back to work because of greed. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We see this in church attendance. Rather be doing anything but hearing about God. And notice it's not duty to God. It's not, I have to go to church. It's the love that you have for it. Do you love coming to church? Or is it just another thing that you check off the box? Do you love getting to know God better? And the Bible tells us that the love of most will grow cold before the return of Christ. We see that happening now. People's love is growing cold. Falling away from pure doctrine, a form of godliness, but denying its power. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, from the time, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. There's a church down in San Francisco called Her Church. It's an ELCA church. Listen to a statement on their website about a fundraiser they were having. They wanted to build something there. The goddess mural will rise 64 feet high with four basic symbolic representations of the divine feminine. The Earth Mother, the Black Madonna, the Christ Sophia, and an androgynous uh, Kali Kandufi, whatever that is, <laughs> Uh, whose, figure, uh, whose chakras will merge with the phases of the moon and the universe. They are surrounded by colorful and playful animals, birds, plants, earth's elements. They raised $75,000 and this thing is built already. It's down. You can go on their website and see this mural. And so straying away from sound doctrines. This is an ELCA church. Also, we see that there is uh, a straying away in doctrines in our uh, Lutheran denominations. I get heresy reports from uh, Pastor Tom Brock all the time. Many major denominations are splitting over some of these doctrinal issues. Next, we see the second sign here. He goes on to describe a time of great tribulation that's coming upon the earth uh, and upon God's people in that time in the future. Some has ca have called it uh, Jacob's Trouble. And everyone else on the world besides Christians will be saying peace and safety. But for those who claim the name of Jesus, it will be a time of great trouble, a great tribulation. That's because there will be a great world leader who's going to rise up and have powerful influence over mankind. The Bible calls him the Antichrist or the beast in uh, Revelation. 
In Matthew 15, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, verses 29 through 30, Jesus tells us that his return will be immediately after the tribulation of that time. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in heaven with power and great glory. So notice there the timing of when those things are going to happen. Because even in Thessalonians, Paul is talking about that. In verse 1 he says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and are being gathered to him. Those are one event, okay? Jesus comes and brings judgment, gathering us together with him at the same time. And that's why we're not to be shaken by those things. And so this has not happened yet. And so we have to recognize that there's the timing that happens here. Some of the things that are going to happen in that tribulation time that are going to be very difficult for Christians are listed here. It says there's an ability to cause everyone to take a mark in order to buy, uh, to buy and sell, and because of these things, you will not be able to buy and sell if you don't have that mark. Okay, so there's a mark that the Antichrist causes us to take. And so he's going to have rule over the economy. You can't buy. Imagine how hard that will be to not be able to buy or sell anything. Imagine how many times a day you buy or sell something. Probably dozens, depending on what day it is, right? But this world leader is going to have control over the entire economy. And you can't buy or sell anything if you don't have that mark. Also, we'll see that things are moving toward that, moving toward this kind of uh, control because we see it in the United Nations. Most Western governments are big proponents of the United Nations. This is a drive to gather nations together because sovereignty of nations is God's idea. That's something that God desires to have. If you look at the Tower of Babel, their big sin was let us gather together and make a name for ourselves for protection, right? But if you have a sovereign nation, God deals with that nation, and you can make laws and not be influenced by others. But now, if you go to the United Nations website, you can see presidents, prime ministers, all these different people and representatives come basically with hat in hand, asking permission from the United Nations to do this, that, or the other. That's in preparation for a major world government, an individual that is controlled by Satan, that will have rule and reign over the entire world. Also, we see that there is a one world religion that is gaining in strength. Okay? The World Council of Churches. That's a real thing. And I was looking at a, different, a, a picture in one of the um, news articles, and it had the Pope. Okay? The Pope was at a prayer gathering with numerous different representatives from different religions. There were people from Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Native American, 
Lutherans, by the way, thankfully not free Lutherans, right? All these people gathering together as one religion, trying to break down the barriers between religions, saying we all worship essentially the same God, and so let's gather together and do this. That is a sign that the end is getting close because there will be also a religious leader called the false prophet that will be working closely with the Antichrist and bringing rule over the entire um, world. Also, we see here that the Antichrist will exalt himself. It says that he will exalt himself against every object of worship, even to the point where he proclaims himself to be God. This was Satan's great sin, Isaiah 14, 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And so the Antichrist is not Satan. He's the last representative of Satan in physical form. And he takes his seat in the temple. Now many people kind of question, like, what is that? What is the temple? Some people believe that there will be an actual rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, and that the Antichrist will seat himself in that temple, proclaiming himself to be God, to the point where he actually is able to do miracles, call fire down from heaven. And that's another side note here, because that's why we don't trust in miracles and signs and wonders. It's nice when they happen, but you know the devil can do signs and wonders. The devil can do miraculous, supernatural things. And so we need to test the spirits and always go back to the scriptures, recognizing that the devil has amazing power. Paul talks about the fact that there's something restraining him right now so that he can be released at the proper time. Okay, so the Antichrist has not been revealed yet, because there's something that's restraining him. Many who are pre-tribulationist rapture believe that that's the Holy Spirit that dwells in Christians. And so as soon as the rapture happens and all the Christians are taken, then the Holy Spirit isn't here on earth and the Antichrist can be released. The major problem with that is that later on, as we see here, that the Antichrist is given power to conquer the saints and kill them with the sword. So if all the Christians are gone, who's left to be persecuted? Some believe that it's the archangel Michael. Some actually believe, and this is probably more in line with what I believe, is civil law. I think that there are certain laws that are in place that restrict the Antichrist from doing what he wants to do. And so we see this as one of the major signs that will happen as this Antichrist is revealed. But we go on to see here that the Antichrist will not win, ultimately. And this is a main concern for us. This should be an encouragement that we know the end of the story. I was actually talking with the men's group yesterday morning at our men's breakfast, and I was thinking, Satan obviously can read. <laughs> you know, He knows the Bible. In fact, he quoted it to Jesus. And he sees the end that's going to take place. And I just, it boggles my mind. Why does he keep going knowing what's going to take place? That he will not win. 
It's easy to become unsubtle about these kinds of things. But what is God's response? We see it in verse 8. He will destroy him, the Antichrist, with the breath of his mouth. Not a nuclear bomb, not weapons of mass destruction, with a word. We see in the end times, the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth, and the people that are still left that are wicked, it says they hide themselves under the mountains, asking the mountains to fall upon them that they might hide from the face of the one who is coming in the clouds. With a word, he destroys the enemies of God. I've heard some people say, well, you know, I'm not going to get all worked up. If I see all these things happening, like the Antichrist and all that, then I'll get saved. Then I'll start to follow God. The only problem with that is in verse 11 and 12, it says that God sends a strong delusion to the earth that they might not believe in him. And so if you haven't chosen to follow God up to that point, and the Antichrist is revealed, and all these things begin to happen... On top of that all, God sends a strong delusion that prevents you from believing. That's why it's important to know now and decide now who you're going to follow before the day comes. Because then it's going to be too late. And so what do we do? What's our response in the middle of all this? Do we build a bomb shelter, gather weapons, you know, stock up? No. In verse 2 it says, do not be quickly shaken. Do not be deceived by all the stuff that's going on out there in the social media and movies and books and all these programs. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't believe everything you hear from even me. Check it out for yourself. You know, Do reading for yourself. And in 1 John 4, 1 it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I believe this is one of the dangers of some of the books that I see out there. I'm not saying that Tim LaHaye and these guys that did the Left Behind series are false prophets. I believe that they are not interpreting the scriptures correctly. And by the way, I'm not Paul. I didn't get a direct revelation of this. I'm interacting with the same Bible that they are and that you are. But I think the danger of the Left Behind series is that if people believe it, they will be deceived when the Antichrist comes. I believe we're facing tough, tough times in the future. If it's not in our lifetime, I think very soon and that we need to brace ourselves. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. We need to be aware of things that are happening in, in the in religious community. And you can feel it already. I know you can feel there's a shift that we are in a postmodern uh, Christian culture here. Christianity has really waned in popularity in the world, at least the Western world. And so don't put your head in the sand. Don't hide your head thinking, one person I was talking to, they said, yeah, I'm a pan-millennialist, it'll all pan out. You know, No, be aware of some of these issues. Be in, you know, be in the word, struggling. It's a struggle, you know, 
This uh, apocalyptic type of uh, language is very difficult to struggle with, but to, to deal with these things and trust that God's going to get us through. He got many different people through in times of trouble. Well, Pastor Scott, I thought that God would never let anything bad happen to me. He's going to protect me in times of trouble. Well, talk to the apostles. They all died. <laughs> you know, they were martyred. These kinds of things. He will protect you. He'll bring you through the trial. If you want to talk to me about these issues or you have a different view than me, that's fantastic. You know, come on into my office. I'd love to talk to you about that. But I think there's a balanced thing here, okay? Don't just ignore it and figure it'll go away. But also, don't be one of these kooks that have like every book on their shelf is about end times and that's all they do is, you know, go on websites and podcasts about end times. And they're super kooky about the end times. And every single thing that happens in, you know, oh, the vaccine must be the Antichrist, you know, it's the, uh, they're injecting us with <laughs> the mark. Well, no, because you can't accidentally take the mark of the beast, all right? You have to choose to take it or not take it, all right? All right, well, let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for this, your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment about the end times and about all of these things that are difficult to understand. Lord, prepare us. If you are coming soon and we can be raptured to you, we look forward to that and rejoice in it. But Lord, if we are to go through that tribulation period, I also pray that you would prepare us for that and help us to see the world events around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.